This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. You ever noticed how the smallest changes can make the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple, evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, and grow your business. In a recent episode, Phil tested $1,000 on some marketing principles. Some work, some don't. Uh, guest Nancy Harhut, who's been a guest of this show as well, and Phil put these principles to test in a set of real-life experiments. You'll learn what works and what doesn't. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Mike Lennox. He is the Taylor Murphy Professor of Business at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business. He has served on the faculty at Duke and NYU and is a visiting professor at Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford. He holds a PhD from MIT in Technology Management and Policy. And we're going to talk about his new book today, Strategy in the Digital Age, Mastering Digital Transformation. So, Mike, that was a mouthful, but welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for having me. You spend a lot of time with textbooks, I think. <laughs> I do enjoy writing. <laughs> so, uh, my first question is going to sound like a silly question, but I think, it's, I think it's legitimate based on all the conversations I have with people about strategy. Um, and their uh, confusion about what the term actually means. Uh, I thought I'd start there. Um, how, do, how do you define strategy? Oh, that's an excellent question. You know, in our MBA classes, we always start with what uh, we refer to as the strategist challenge. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the strategist challenge is about finding valuable positions at the intersection of three things. Uh, your values and mission as an organization, absolutely critical. That's your North Star, defining who you are and what you aspire to be. The opportunities that the market provides to you. So this is competition, it's demand, it's all those things that influence what is available to you. And then last but not least, your capabilities as an organization. And so the key for strategy is how do you identify and then achieve and protect those valuable competitive positions at the intersection of those three things. So it's not really just a list of tactics. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely not. No, it's about <laughs> trying to figure out where to point, you know, yeah. where to point the ship. It's kind of like how you're going to, you're marking the market, right? So again, in the title, a strategy in the digital age, how would you define the change or how somebody might look at digital strategy versus, I don't know, regular strategy or, <laughs> or is it really just become a, you know, such a significant component? It's just part of the overall strategy. I think that's right. I mean, I think in many ways, digital strategy is just strategy in the same way digital marketing is really just marketing in this day and age. And I think one of the points uh, that I make in the book is that the digital age is having impacts not only in those sectors that we might call technology sectors or technology companies, but it's really pervasive. I am hard pressed to find an industry in a sector that is not being impacted by digital technologies. Now, at one level, strategy stays the same basis for kind of understanding markets and competition don't fundamentally change just because we're in this digital age. But there are certain ways in which the digital age is having 
maybe differential impacts than what we've seen in the past. And a lot of what the book is about is really trying to understand like how fundamentally are these digital opportunities transforming those market opportunities. Yeah, and I, I have to admit, when I first saw the book and the title of the book, you know, in my mind, maybe it's my own bias, you know, kind of leapt to, oh, you know, we are talking about websites and social media and, you know, all the digital <laughs> stuff. But you're really, as you started to allude to there, it's really more about how digital technologies enable the creation of services and products and maybe an entire industries. <laughs> so, so talk to me a little bit about, I mean, that's a much bigger conversation, isn't it? Yeah, in the book, we, we talk about a number of kind of fundamental things that digitization is doing in a variety of industries. One, fundamentally changing the customer value proposition. Uh, now we find that you, you are constantly engaging your customers, collecting data, using that to refine the products and services that you're offering. It has ways that fundamentally changes the operations and the ways you deliver value and creating opportunities to both increase value and simultaneously lower costs through various kind of efficiency opportunities. And then perhaps even more fundamental, we're seeing things like what we call the deconstruction of the value chain. Mm -hmm. That what used to be more vertically integrated efforts by different companies are being picked apart by especially entrepreneurs coming in and taking various pieces of their value chain, again, leveraging digital. But really at the heart of it, you know, we really kind of center most of the book on is this idea that data has really gained primacy. You know, people talk about data as the new oil in our economy here, and that the economics of data, especially the scalability of data and what that does for you, can really change, again, the nature of competition within an industry. I'm going to jump around a little bit here based since you opened that up. I mean, AI is essentially a technology that is massaging data. So, so what are some of the... Let's go on both sides of that. What are some of the opportunities, but then what are some of the threats? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, generative AI in particular with ChatGPT is on everybody's mind these days. But we should observe that AI has been around for a while. It has many different forms and is affecting many different things, including autonomy. It's impacting you know, the use of industrial processes, not just you know, the fun uh, language generators that we've been all playing with over the last few months here. I think it is quite disruptive and has a lot of potential in a lot of different directions. And again, I think it's you know goes to maybe even the fundamental construction of some of our some of our industries there. But it's not just generative AI. You know, I point out blockchain is another one right. that gets a lot of excitement and buzz. If you, if you listen to Mark Zuckerberg, the metaverse is you know coming soon. But the use of VR, things like digital twins, there's a whole host of kind of interesting applications and technologies that we're seeing. And in many ways, these are all kind of overlapping and intersecting in interesting ways that, again, the forward-thinking businesses are, are figuring out how to capitalize on. So, so the book does present a framework for somebody who is thinking, gosh, I need to get on board here. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what would be a typical way uh, that you would work with an organization? Because I'm sure that, uh, I mean, there's still people that cryptocurrency is like an unknown word to them, right. but then there certainly are people that are as, you know, as the buzz around say chat GPT comes, you know, there's more and more people at least saying, I need to figure out what this is. How would you work with somebody to help them uncover where their opportunities might be or where they might actually be in real danger yeah. of being disrupted? Yeah. And I think, you know, 
uh, the one side, while I believe that we're seeing disruption in many different ways, we also have to be careful of kind of the hype cycle, right? That yeah. some of these technologies get ahead of themselves. Uh, the world is ending to certain pundits <laughs> and then, you know, it never really comes forward. One of the things we talk about or I talk about in the book is industry life cycles. You know, we have a long history of kind of studying how industries evolve over time. And there's patterns we can look at uh, that help us understand when new technologies come about, how are they going to play out? Um, so in the simplest case, you know, S-curves, uh, the simple idea that early in the stage of a technology, you might see a lot of investment, but not much improvement. But if it's going to be disrupted, you go through these exponential growth periods in which the technology you know, really begins to improve and, and change the marketplace. And then eventually you get a kind of lessening of that impact as we kind of figure things out over time. That has huge impacts for you know, entrepreneurial entry, how incumbent firms respond, being uh, responsive to these kind of timing and trends. I, I think in this day and age, trying to always be on the cutting edge and know exactly what's coming down the pipeline is a very hard task to do. And I think this is where the strategy piece comes in. I, I always talk about, you know, strategy is never meant to be static. It's not meant to be kind of set in stone and off you go. It's a constant process of reflection where you have to be thinking about, all right, here's the latest new thing. ChatGPT is out there. What are the impacts here? And to think through kind of the underlying economics, of what is that going to do to our market structure? And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. You know, companies are under pressure right now. I mean, pressure to get more leads, close deals faster, get better insights to create the best experience for customers. A CRM can help, but not just any CRM. One that's easy to set up, intuitive to use, and customizable to the way you do business. And that's where HubSpot comes in. HubSpot CRM is easy for everyone to use on day one, and it helps teams be more productive. Drag and drop your way to attention-grabbing emails and landing pages. Set up marketing automation to give every contact white-glove treatment. Plus, AI-powered tools like Content Assistant mean less time spent on tedious manual tasks and more time for what matters, your customers. HubSpot CRM has all the tools you need to wow prospects, lock in deals, and improve customer service response times. Get started today for free at HubSpot.com. Hey, Marketing agency owners, you know, I can teach you the keys to doubling your business in just 90 days or your money back. Sound interesting? All you have to do is license our three-step process that's going to allow you to make your competitors irrelevant, charge a premium for your services, and scale, perhaps without adding overhead. And here's the best part. You can license this entire system for your agency by simply participating in an upcoming agency certification intensive. Look, why create the wheel? Use a set of tools that took us over 20 years to create, and you can have them today. Check it out at dtm.world slash certification. That's dtm.world slash certification. Ironically, you mentioned oil. I was going to, you, you were using it as a metaphor for data. Let's take that industry on. You know, what's the strategy for replacing an, an old entrenched industry? I, I mean, it's, We've been talking about clean tech for a long time. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, what's the approach for, and I know that you are passionate about climate change and have written uh, some other works uh, directly related to that. So what's the strategy for, you know, that young startup to take on a really big entrenched industry that doesn't want to go away? 
Yeah, as you mentioned, this is another passion of mine, another area I've written some books. Uh, and they do overlap, actually. There are some sure. things and advances of digital technology that could help us advance clean technology as well. I, you know, I think there's a couple of ways to answer your question. One, not to be too cute about it. What we often see when we see these massive disruptions and, and kind of major shifts in technology is often incumbent firms fail. They go out of business. And, and of course, that's not great advice to those incumbent firms. So what do you do? I think the key is trying to understand what capabilities you currently exist that you can transform to the new market opportunities that are emerging, recognizing it's really hard to just completely reinvent yourself. I run into a lot of companies who say, you know, they want to be the Google of X, you know, and they have this vision for who they're going to be. And my quick response is often Google's going to be the Google of X. They're better <laughs> positioned than you are to, you know, occupy that position. So while we call it, you know, starting where I began with the strategist challenge, the reason it's a challenge is understanding that as the market shifts and those opportunities maybe move from where they historically been, how do you evolve your capabilities? And I say evolve because, again, you can't just reinvent wholesale typically to where the market goes. So using your example for oil, I'm doubtful that the oil companies and fossil fuel companies will transform into clean energy companies just simply because they're just radically different. They're not even different technology. They're different marketplaces in many cases here. But there are opportunities for them and maybe in some cases leveraging digital technology to improve their operations, sure. do better at exploration and extraction, you know, increase efficiencies, maybe reduce some of their direct environmental impact they have from, uh, from extracting fossil fuels. So again, there's a role for digital, there's a role for even clean with those companies, but I don't expect them to all become digitally, you know, AI companies tomorrow for any, you know, any reason. But at some point, you know, a lot of entrenched industries, you know, hang on because it's so expensive to change or because they have to, you know, gut the cash cow in order to change. But at some point, you know, they get, they get replaced. So, you know, how does it, and again, I'm not dreaming the oil companies are going away anytime soon, but you know, how does a company that might, example I love to use is the classifieds for newspapers. You know, they, that was the cash cow for newspapers, the yeah. classified ads, right? And they closed their eyes to Craigslist and you know, that business went away yeah. and where they could have owned it. You know, they could have, you know, they could have transformed at a moment, but it would have literally meant throwing money out the window, which, yeah. you know, nobody had the appetite to do. So how does a company who sees maybe sees this coming, you know, how do they, you know, brace for the impact that's not going to be that positive? Yeah. And I think this, you know, problems of incumbency, if you will, are very yeah. common, right? And I have so many examples that I share with companies that I work with of, of the failed attempts. And I'm yeah. always asked the question of where are the successes? And, and in fact, <laughs> they're few and far between. They are harder to find those companies who can radically transform themselves in the face of some of these trends that we're yeah. seeing. I go back to, again, this notion that you have to build your strategy off of at least some elements of your current capabilities. Mm -hmm. What can you bring to the marketplace that provides value in this digitally transforming world? The other thing the book spends a lot of time on, and I have different frameworks to help uh, businesses think through, gets back to this, where is the position that you can best occupy and, uh, and appropriate some value for your you know, shareholders and for your stakeholders in this evolving uh, marketplace here. And it might be somewhat different than where you've occupied in the past. It might not be 
exactly how you envisioned yourself to start off with. Just give you two examples of companies who used to play in the smartphone market, BlackBerry and Qualcomm. <laughs> Both of them made different decisions, right? One, Qualcomm moved upstream and became more of an innovator with patents and the like that provide some of the core technology for you know, your smartphones and the like. And then BlackBerry, recognizing that their old handset model wasn't going to work, moved into digital security, cybersecurity protection and the like. So again, it was kind of a reflection that the marketplace was changing. They needed to shift their capabilities to a kind of a new position, a new part of the value chain where they could actually continue to uh, survive and thrive. So I'm with you. I think the media, particularly new technologies, likes to you know kind of say, oh, here's the scary scenario. But there really are, I mean, there are some social implications, some policy, some governing, you know, some regulations, antitrust, um, you know, when you start talking about the Googles and the metas of the world, um, you know, where does that fit into, you know, the sort of enthusiastic rush to all things digital? Yeah, I, I, we, I have a whole chapter basically on these kind of broader societal issues with yeah. tech. And I think from a company standpoint, my main point is you need to be thoughtful and proactive about this. You know, going back to data and the primacy of data, you know, what do you feel comfortable and not comfortable doing with user data? Critical question that every company needs to address. Uh, when it comes to AI, what types of decisions are you willing to, in essence, cede to the AI? And where do you feel that's not appropriate? Um, one of the things I talk about in the book that I'm borrowing from colleagues of mine at the University of Toronto is this idea that what AI does for you at the end of the day is give you really good predictions, right. but predictions are only half of what you need. You also need judgment on top of that. And so to the extent that AI is lowering the cost of the prediction, a complementary like judgment actually becomes even more valuable in that world. And so companies really need to be thoughtful about, again, what do they feel comfortable with and where are their opportunities for them to kind of layer on that higher order judgment to what these machines in essence can do for you. Yeah, I've actually of late been, I don't, at least the technology I'm working with, I don't feel like it's artificial intelligence. I kind of switch it around and say it's IA, it's informed automation um, right. is, is kind of what I feel like it, at least for our uses in the marketing industry currently. Give me, I, and you already kind of alluded to the fact that this was a hard one to, to do, but I, I was going to ask you for some examples of companies that you think are at least doing, maybe they haven't like hit some big home run, you know, here, but are at least approaching the thoughtfulness of this in, in a way that you think is appropriate? Well, I'll give you a historical example that has arguably transformed themselves two, maybe three times as someone like IBM, you right. know, who, who went from originally making business machines to making computers to then being more of a software and services company who tried to embrace AI and the like. Early on with Watson really was kind of one of the original uh, models, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we can debate whether they're, you know, well positioned now moving forward. Right. Uh, but again, they've done a fairly good job kind of repositioning themselves uh, over yeah. the years. Awesome. Well, Mike, I appreciate you showing up and spending a little time with, uh, with my listeners on the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. You want to tell people where certainly they can get a copy of Strategy in the Digital Age or connect with you in any way that you want to invite them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or any really online uh, retailers. The book is coming out from Stanford University Press, uh, so you can of course look for it from them as well. Uh, and then on a personal note, I'm I'm easy to reach at just simply michaellennox.com. Uh, uh, just one N in Lennox there, uh, and and that's another way you can engage and, and connect with me. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for taking a little time out of your day, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. Hey, and one final thing before you go. You know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing strategy assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.